I'm very excited to have Josh Taylor in the studio with me. And the reason I'm excited is because of a uh, a Sunday evening service that you were able to conduct, Josh, that I remember a lot of things from. And I was actually telling Sebastian, who works with us here in the, the radio station, I was relating to him a few things that you said in that Sunday evening service. And then when you showed up today with the uh, notes for what we were going to talk about, it seemed like to me this was following up well with what you talked about on that Sunday night. So I'm hoping you touch some of the similar things. But we wanted to talk about education and spend some time on that because this ministry is involved with a lot of educational <laughs> endeavors yeah. and efforts. Yeah, that's a good way. A, a lot. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. And it, it seems like uh, a lot of our year is focused on educating people. Let's get started with some of the things that you want to talk about in regards to objectives in education. Let's just make a start there. Yeah. Well, the uh, time you were referring to earlier uh, about when uh, Pastor Heron gave me the opportunity to uh, 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 speak in front of the church, uh, he just asked me to do something on uh, teaching effectively. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that is a very loaded topic. Um, and he asked me to do it twice, which was pretty funny because apparently the the first time I, I you know, because there's so much to do with the effective teaching, I, I was looking at different books, different titles, different workshops, and you have uh, the five keys to effective teaching. You have the nine pillars of effective teaching. You got the 32 steps to effective teaching. Sure. And I'm like, oh, yeah, so what does it actually look like? Yeah. Uh, and so I'm just going to give it to the listeners today as what I would do if I was in a classroom and explaining to my my students the objectives. Uh, at the end of this lesson, the student will be able to, and that's what I, I'd like to, to treat uh, uh, all of our listeners to that same type of thing is I want you to know exactly what it is that you're getting. And so the uh, first objective is really just to analyze how Christ used content. When you think of education, almost everybody first word is homework or quizzes or tests or lectures, all of it having to do with that content. And so how did Christ use the content to accomplish what he really wanted to do, which was building relationships. So that's the, the the core of where I'm going to go to with that. And then just letting you know on specific examples uh, and things that I have done in the classroom to actually build those relationships. Because it's one thing to say, hey, I'm going to take this content, I'm going to build relationships. That's great. Well, how do you actually do that? Uh, so those are the those are my two main objectives uh, is how did Christ use the content and then what are we going to actually do to start building those. Because whether you are actual education in the classroom or if you're like you and me, which is for parents. And so uh, how how do I uh, to take the, the information, the content, our daily routines and, and enhance the relationships that I have? Uh, or just the teaching, whether it's in a church or in your community, how are you going to build those relationships? Because you look back at any teacher uh, or student that uh, people have had an impact on them, and you are almost never going to hear someone come up and say, I remember, like for me, example, I remember Mr. Smith from fifth grade when I was at uh, Wixom Christian Academy because, man, there was this amazing lesson on science that he gave to me, specifically on the, the different parts of a cell. I have 
no recollection of that at all. What I remember about Mr. Smith is the time he came out to the playground and the high schoolers were on the playground and it was our recess time as fifth graders and all the high schoolers said, go away, little guys. And Mr. Smith walks up and says, guys, I love yous, but go away. My kids are here. It's our turn to play. And I'm like, wow, he just stuck up for us. Like yeah. Mr. Smith's got my back. Yeah. Uh, and then he used that. He had my respect from there. And then the time he took us out for pizza, uh, the uh, time that he gave us opportunities in the classroom uh, to do stuff that doesn't classify as education as far as the history and the science, but it was education as far as how to treat each other, how to uh, get along with your friends, how to make memories. I was just, it was, it was a game changer. And that's what, that's some of the stuff I learned from Mr. Smith. So you say Mr. Smith, I think of the way he stuck up for us, the way he helped us, not those amazing science lessons. Okay, so I'm thinking of two things that you just kind of mentioned here. What you really said is this is going to give us a little insight behind maybe some of the philosophy of education we might have here at Harvest. But then really, people can use this. People can really use this yeah, that, as that, a help to them. Yeah, that, that's, that's the goal. It's, yeah. it's, if you want to impact lives the way that Christ did, he yeah. did not walk around with a textbook. He had the knowledge, but he walked around and said, how can I help? And what, what, what needs do you need to be met? What problems can I solve? And people, because of it, flocked to him, flooded to him. Uh, and that's why Christ is the master teacher and has very little to do with the content. It has the way that he, he impacted them and solved their problems and gave them hope. Right. Can you tell us a little bit about, and I'm just using him as an example, how Mr. Smith got to that point? Maybe what was his perspective? His his goal behind all of that was, if I can show the students that I care about them, it's going to improve their education because they're going to start working hard for me. And if they're working hard for me, eventually I'm going to be able to pass that on and they're just going to work hard for blank, for whatever it is that they need to. Because, okay, your parents and you want your child to be able to just simply have a work ethic uh, so that you can trust them when they start getting into uh, ninth grade, 10th grade, and they're looking, schools looking at their, their transcripts. Well, if you establish early on the, I love you, I want you to succeed in order to do that. I'm going to help you with it, but the key is you've got to put in the work. But why are they going to want to put in the work if no one is there to guide them, to uh, protect them, to help them get up, to, to, to encourage them to just take a risk? It's okay. Failure is not the end of things. Falling down and staying down, that's it. But man, when you take – I've worked on this so much with my daughter. If, if you want to – guarantee yourself success and so you only try things that you know you're successful at how far is that going to take you uh, if you want to explore the talents that god has given to you you got to take some risks and those risks could end up being wow at least now i know i'm not good at that at least now i know i tried it failed i learned from it or wow this was that was kind of cool um yeah. i wonder where i wonder where this can fit in from here and how do I, how can I move forward with this or exploring the different options? I mean, that's, that's life right there. Okay. So get us started on some of this content. 
what I heard you say in the first part was something that um, a friend of mine used to relate to me all the time, which is that people don't care how much you know until they know oh, how much you care, care right? And yep. you kind of said that, but get us started on some of the content yeah, in my, this. My, my, if I was to take this whole thing, and if you want to boil down this entire lesson, uh, which when I gave it in front of my students, it was about 33 minutes. Uh, when I was talking with the church, it was right about 37 minutes. Uh, if you want to boil it down to uh, about three seconds, it is very simple. Content is not king. Christ is king. So how did Christ use content? So content's not king. Christ is king. And is, if it's all right with you, I'd just like to give you some examples uh, yeah. from Christ, the master teacher, uh, show how he specifically used the content and then took that and how the people reacted to his authority. And then once he had established his authority, they he's, – he's, he, I can bring my problems to him and he's going to help me out with that. Uh, I'm in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, which um, majority of you um, might be familiar with as this Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and as you glance through Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, one of the first things that you realize is, and I, I love this verse, and it seems to be very boring, but verses 1 and 2, it says, Christ seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Already, wherever Christ was, his students followed because they knew that they were going to get something from him. And he sits down and his classroom, man, his classroom is awesome. His classroom is the mountainside. Uh, so he wasn't stuck to straight rows in a chair uh, in, in the classroom. And then it says in verse two, he opened his mouth and he taught them. It's not a, he opened his mouth and he just spoke to them. It's not, he opened his mouth and he lectured them. He taught them. And that is a very different concept. Lecture is, is talking at people. Teaching is getting them to understand and to want to, to, to change or to adjust. And then just looking at the headings of, these, of uh, some of the things that he, he dealt with, uh, as you get into uh, Christ explaining in verse 13 how you're the salt and the light of the earth. So he's using specific examples so that they could understand it. Uh, he talks about anger. Uh, pretty heavy topic there. Uh, he, he deals with things like adultery, divorce, uh, breaking your oath, uh, retaliating. Uh, if somebody strikes you on your face, turn the other cheek and let him hit there too. Uh, rather than revenge, he, he talks about loving your enemies. I mean, he was hitting very heavy stuff uh, and he was confident in it. If you look uh, in chapter 5, verse 38, one of my favorite things is that Christ uses Hammurabi's code. Uh, so you want to talk about, did he know the content? Yeah, he knew his history. He talks about Hammurabi's code. He said, you've heard that's been said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And I, I've taught Hammurabi's code uh, with my students as I've gone through uh, uh, ancient history and uh, the Sumerian civilization, the Akkadian civilization. And man, Hammurabi, brilliant guy, put the, put the actual laws out on the pillars so that the citizens actually knew what the laws were. And one of them is eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. So you get that revenge. And Christ said, you've heard that before. And it sounds fair. And Christ says, it's not how we're going to roll. Instead of giving them what they deserve back, we're going to give them what they don't deserve, uh, which is love, which is respect, uh, which is honor. Uh, so he understood that. If you, you get back into chapters uh, uh, six and seven, he even brings up in chapter seven, he talks about the golden rule. 
treat others the way that you want to be treated. All of these things that were Christ gave content and he gave examples. And then what happened? You get the end of chapter 7. It says in verse 28, and it came to pass when Jesus ended these sayings, the people were amazed at his doctrine, at his teaching, because he taught them as one having authority, not the scribes. I'm not trying to minimize content. Content is critical. Christ had the content, he had the knowledge, and because of that, he gained the respect of his disciples, of his followers, of the masses, and they could see the difference in him. And then, once Christ had them with the content, he said, now, I really want to show you what the purpose is behind all this content, and that is to help people change lives. So what I'm hearing you say here in this, um, in the last, what I just heard you say in the last segment, which people heard on the last segment of this program, was that Christ was giving people great content. You didn't want to minimize the content he mm -hmm. gave them. But the reason he had them listening and waiting and wanting to hear is because of something else. Yeah. What is all that? Yeah. If you, uh, I don't know if you're, some of the listeners might be familiar with uh, uh, famous speech giver uh, Simon Sinek, who uh, has given the one start with why. Uh, business model, uh, rather than saying this is what you get and this is how you get it and this is why you want it, he reverses that and says, let me tell you why you want it, why it's important. And then when they understand the why is important, they're like, well, how do I get it? How do I get that? And, and then what do I get uh, from it? But he start with a why. And, and Christ, straight to the heart of issues, let me tell you why you want to come to me, why I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it's very simple. I have what you want, which is truth. Uh, you have heard, as he said, you have heard it said. These are teachings that are out there. Now, I'd just like to share with you the truth. Uh, and that's then when, the, when the, the crowds heard it, when his disciples heard it, they were willing to leave everything. And, and, and the, the disciples, you're thinking of, of Peter and James and John and Andrew, how they dropped their careers to pursue someone who finally was going to be able to show them what life is about. Uh, and so Christ, the master of content, and he didn't use the content to manipulate. He used the content to point them to truth. And when people saw that, it was just, it was one of those light bulb moments, if you want to think of it that way. I always think of the cartoons and the idea comes in and boom, that light bulb flicks above them. Or, or I, I often refer to it as the Moses moment where you're walking along, everything is normal, and then you see that burning bush and like, that's different. Yeah. What makes that? What's going on over there? I got to go find out. It says he turned he turned aside to see this, right? Mm -hmm. He he really noticed. Yep, and yeah. and that's that's the reaction that the people had, which yeah. is the this just jaw down and got a little bit of drool coming out of their mouth. They're like, we've heard all these religious leaders and these scholars give us content before, but we've never heard it like that because he's the the way he's teaching is like um, he cares about us. Yeah. Uh, it's not about the law. It's about the love that he had. And that just changes people. When they see, like you mentioned earlier uh, in the interview, when people see that you care, then they're going to want 
to wherever you are, they're going to want to be there. Yeah. Let me let me see if I'm going uh, the the right place with this. Um, it's almost as though um, education doesn't happen until it's not just you can't you can't have uh, you can't have just one thing. You can't just have a great teacher who gives great content. You've got to have engaged students, and they've got to be engaged for some reason. And it's like the education actually happens yeah. <laughs> when the teacher has the relationship part, and then the student says, whoa, you have a relationship. Therefore, mm-hmm. I'm going to invest in this and actually be educated. Yeah, it, it's uh, very important to uh, – w- when – the, the, the thing that's always scared me as an educator is when people say, well, if the students haven't learned, then the teacher hasn't taught. I'm like, I was up there. I was, yeah. I was giving I don't know I don't know what you're doing. Uh, but I was giving content. Um, uh, but I, I understand that because just because you are giving out the information, if it is either flying way over their heads or they're not engaged, yes, then what you're doing is you are you're talking. You're talking, but you're not necessarily teaching. Uh, and I've had my share of moments at that where then I'm looking out at my my class and they're just – as uh, when I was in the carpet business, uh, my boss would always say, are you picking up what I'm laying down? Uh, I'm like, uh, I don't really know what you mean by that. <laughs> and he's like, exactly. That's the point. So you got to understand the, the the directions that I'm giving to you. Otherwise, if you don't understand what I'm giving to you, then all that's happening is one-way conversation and you're not learning anything. And for him, it was, I need you to learn so you can do this. You can install this stuff right. We can make some money here. So right. that's the, the same type of thing with the education. Yes, I can I give them the content and I give them the test and they can get a grade, but what actual learning has taken place there? So you've given us a an example of Christ's teaching and how people sat down and listened but then is there also an example of him being uh, out and about and, and building those relationships? Yeah, and, and as much as I enjoy uh, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 where he sat down and taught them, that was actually much more of a rare occurrence with Christ. Uh, he was constantly on the move. And, and that's what's always motiv- motivated me as a teacher. Of, I love my classroom, but... Man, my, my my classroom is wherever the students and I are at. Wherever I can take them, I still have the opportunity to teach them. Uh, it, it takes you a grand total of one chapter later. Right after Christ finishes his Sermon on the Mount, then you get to Matthew chapter 8. It says in verse 1, he came down from the mountain. Great multitudes followed him. Why are they following him? Because he's got answers. And basically from this point on, the world was his classroom. Wherever Christ was, that's where the education was taking place because they knew that they could trust him. And you get to verse uh, 5 where it says Jesus entered to Capernaum. He goes into another city. uh, And here you have, and there came unto him. Now you have people that are seeking him out because they have heard Christ has answers. And, and that's when he, uh, he heals the centurion's servant. Uh, if you get down to verse 14, uh, Jesus came into Peter's house. And when that happens, he heals uh, Peter's mother-in-law. And then you get to verse 16. And when evening came, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word. And he healed all that were sick. And so now the people are just flooding to him because he – and it – a lot of them, yes, they have needs, but they knew that Christ had answers. And the key is 
what Christ had for them was compassion. It wasn't just the knowledge. It wasn't just the content. It was the compassion. It was the I'm seeing what what these people need, and I love them, and I'm willing to pour myself into them. And that compassion then just poured out, and you get to – if you look in Mark chapter 1, the end of Mark chapter 1, where Christ spends the entire day ministering, he still wakes up early, gets the relationship, the fellowship with his father, and then his disciples come and find him and say, Lord, don't you know that people are looking for you? They, they, they're looking for you. And Christ says, let's go. Let's go. I've got here. I've got the other towns to go to. And on one of those journeys in Luke chapter 7, it's, again, further proof that the classroom was wherever Christ was at because he's just on a road walking down into a city, a city, a city called Nain. And very uh, the only time that I've ever heard of it is this one passage in math in uh, in Luke chapter seven verse eleven. He's walking into Nain, and as he's going there with his disciples, there's this massive crowd, and his disciples are probably thinking, "Hey, they're like, hey, we can be problem solvers too. Let's go. There's another road over here, another road over here." And Christ's like, "No, this is exactly where I want to be because you see the reason for that crowd. You see who's in there? There's a funeral, and that means there's hurting people." And so he takes his disciples with him and goes up to and sees it's, it's the widow and says a very, very personal moment where he finds out uh, that it was his, her only son that had died. Very powerful moment when you think of what Christ, who Christ is as the yeah. only son of God. Right. And Christ says, she's got a need, I can help it. And he shows his disciples, his, his, his class, his students right then and there, that inconvenience does not have to necessarily be inconvenience. Inconvenience can be the opportunity. And so he took that opportunity, and this time it wasn't about the content. There wasn't really any teaching going on there as far as helping the widow's son. The teaching that was going on there was to his disciples saying, when you get hit with stuff that you weren't expecting – don't always look for a way out. Look for a way to help, and had a, a very powerful impact on his disciples. As as you were talking, particularly the first part of the last segment, I was thinking about something that Doctor Nagengast has said several times, and I think he just said on a recent program we did, which was the only reason you would believe anything is because it's true, mm-hmm. and the only reason you would see that anything was true is because there's evidence for it. And Jesus was both offering the truth and offering the evidence. And the evidence came many times in the form of his own compassion, his own relationship, Uh his own uh, personal interaction and activity with people. And so I saw that in the example you just gave. Now, how do we do this, whether we're a teacher in a classroom, maybe... uh, uh, maybe we could relate it to teachers that teach uh, here for Harvest in our different educational endeavors, or maybe it's just for you as a parent or someone who wants to impact like somebody who's around you every day. Yeah, yeah. That that's the. It is really easy to explain what Christ did because he did it perfectly. Uh, it's really exciting to see how he changed lives because it didn't really matter where he was at. He was able to find people that needed him and he met the needs and it's like that's awesome hey guess what Uh, i'm not jesus (laughs) Uh, so i think of myself i've got a five-year-old son at home who is the energizer bunny 
on nuclear power. I mean, that's so. So, what do I do with him other than? I mean, it reminds me of the uh, the maniac of Gadara. Who I mean, we've we we just we try to control him and we can't. Man, he just breaks loose out of everything, and we're not chaining him up or anything. But I mean, that's the kind of unbridled energy that he displays. And so, uh, what can I do to train him? He's not dwelling in the caves. He is either, not. Just he is so not. You know. But I'm telling you, he makes us feel like it at some at some point in time. Uh, so honestly, it really starts with what understanding your mission. So for me here as as a as a teacher at Harvest Christian Academy, uh, what's the mission of my school? Uh, and our mission is to help people help students develop a heart for God by providing that quality education in a Christian environment, and it's really done through life mentorship. So I understand. Okay, that's. That's my that that's what I'm being hired to do here is help st- students develop a heart for God. What is your mission as a parent? What what is your mission as whether it's a Sunday school teacher or a, a, whether you're going to a board meeting? Uh, what, what understanding what your mission is? And so for me as a parent, uh, my mission is real simple. Right now, uh, I want to train up my son to be a man of God. Uh, how do I do that? At this point in time, it's prayer. It's yeah. prayer and godly influence and direction and uh, consistency is really what he needs. Sure. And he needs buckets and buckets of grace and mercy uh, and Aflac because of the number of times yes. that he's getting injured. So those are the kinds of things. Then, uh, again, as a teacher, because I'm not working with just my own children, I'm generally working with uh, lots and lots of other uh, parents and then their families and their children, their most precious uh, uh, possessions that they have. And so understand what they want. And so a lot of a majority of the students are coming into my classroom because of the content. And so I've got to respect that. Uh, and I'm going to give them as best of the content as I can. I mean, honestly, I I really do enjoy teaching science. Uh, I taught ancient history. I mentioned that earlier. Uh, I'm, I mean, this is I know this is awkward, but I'm an English teacher. Uh, I've taught I've taught English, and I absolutely love helping the students to understand nouns and verbs and pronouns. It, it's for me, it's a challenge, and so I'm going to give them tremendous content. Why? Because that's what the parents are expecting. So I'm going to do that. So I understand the mission of my school, the overall, the the big umbrella, and then all my little umbrellas in there of what the parents want. Doesn't the content though also meet? Your other objective, that because you care for them and you have compassion, that's why the content needs to be good. Mm-hmm. You, ne- you need to care enough about them to get the content uh-huh. crafted correctly. The, the number one thing that is on my list as far as how do I, how, how am I an effective teacher? How am I going to build those relationships? How am I going to change lives? Uh, first thing, I got to come prepared to teach every day. Yeah. If I'm not prepared, it doesn't really matter how good of a friend I am to them because I'm losing respect in the eyes of their family, uh, their parents, the people who are investing a lot of money on many occasions. They're investing in their child's education and yeah. they come home and they say, oh man, Mr. Taylor, he was funny here and he did this stuff with us here. He's like, good, what, what did you learn? Oh, well, we didn't really have uh, – It's I know it's Thursday. We haven't really had science or history or anything yet yeah. this week. And there, go, there goes all of my – now, 
they're paying for a very expensive daycare. And, and, and so if I don't come prepared to teach each and every day, then there is no way I'm going to be able to establish those relationships because I have no authority because I can't give them any of the content that they're asking for. So that's right. – you're exactly correct with that. If I am – if I'm prepared, that is the – that's my inlet into making the relationships. I have a I have different teaching experience than you do. Most of my teaching has been at a college level. Mm -hmm. And what I found about that is the college students can smell a rat in five minutes. There's no fooling them on whether you know <laughs> the content or not. They know if you know what you're doing or if you don't. And that that moment where they find out whether you know what you're talking uh -huh. about or not is a moment whether you uh, that you find out whether or not you can get to the relationship part mm -hmm. <laughs> because if you've uh, almost fooled them on well I'm standing up here and I've got responsibility for this class but I really don't know what I'm talking about then you use a, you lose a little bit of an opportunity to then make the relationship. Oh, it's it can be devastating. And there is nothing more helpless than to stand up there in front of students and looking at the clock and realize, I've got 38 minutes left and I just used up all my content. And so right. what am I going to do from here? And uh, yeah, you're right. They And it, it's not just college students. They can, uh, the students, yeah. they've... We talk about professional educators. We got professional students because by the time they make it in the second, third grade, you know they've been they've been taught yeah. at for a long time, and it does not take them long to figure out. Sure. I don't think that this guy knows what he's doing. So I, I've got to come to class prepared every day to teach. Uh, I've got to spend time with my students outside of the classroom. And so if you're looking at this from a parent's perspective, um, you just got, you got to get out of the house. Um, you got to get out of the house. And you've got to take them. Here's another one of my light bulb moments. Uh, when my daughter was in fifth grade and I took her out uh, to McDonald's and I said, you know what? This doesn't happen very often, but I'm going to let you order whatever you want to order. And so she, I, I'd sit and she just looks at me like honestly panicked. And yeah. like, just go. Yeah, you just go up and order. And I've taken her to McDonald's who knows how many times. And she's standing up there at the front of the cash register and she has no idea what to do. Sure. And she's turning around and telling me what she wants. I'm like, I'm not taking the order. I don't have the machine. And that was just a realization right there of, you know what? As a parent, I've got to start, I've got to start giving my daughter opportunities to make decisions rather than me constantly making decisions for her because now I'm expecting stuff of her and she I, I haven't trained her to do that, even as a dad. Uh, I, been teaching students forever, but she, she couldn't handle that. She couldn't handle it. So I'm like, and I only figure that out because I got out of the house uh, and doing very simple tasks. There was nothing life or death with her ordering what she wanted at McDonald's. It was a matter of giving her the opportunity, the responsibility, and then seeing the panic in her eyes. And so I do the same thing with my students is we get out of the classroom uh, simply so that I can start seeing them in a different light, challenge them with different tasks. I mean, even when we do activities, different students thrive in different environments. And so I can have somebody who is incredibly confident on the athletic field. You get them into the classroom and they're sitting there with their pencil, paper, and they're going to feel like, man, I got nothing. I got no skills at all. Same person who is tremendous in the room with a pencil and paper, you get them on the athletic field and it's like, oh, no. This is horrible. This is going to end bad. So getting them 
not just comfortable, but letting them understand it. we have different skills. And you might not be great at the pen and paper, but you still have skills that God's given you. You might not be great on the athletic field, but God can still use your skills because of your ability to think and communicate in different ways. So getting them out of the classroom is a huge key to finding out what they're really good at. So as a part of our content here, we're moving on to another portion of what does this kind of education look like? And we just got done with get them out of the classroom, put them in a different environment, challenge them, get a different look at what they can do, and that what else? While all of that is happening, I have found that one of the best ways to uh, remind them and, and the, a review, I mean, we, we constantly need to review the information uh, that they learn, and the best ways to do that is to to take pictures or to take video and then let them look at it. Uh, bring that back to their mind a week, a month or two later, and let them see the activity that they were doing. Uh, and they look at it and like, oh, I remember when, and just by that visual picture, that visual reminder, uh, I do it with my students, almost every activity that we have on campus when we have International Day, just taking that picture of our group and our different nationalities uh, when we're playing international dodgeball. Uh, we do it when we're uh, doing our, our water balloon fight and reenacting the battle and the, the water balloons popping and you get the picture at just the right time and that, that water's going everywhere. But what it allows is now they're thinking back. I've got that, not only do I have the memory, but it just takes that visual stimulus to bring those memories back. And then once you have the, okay, why were we doing that in the first place? Oh, well, we were reenacting uh, the, the, the Battle of Thermopylae with Athens and Persia and Greece and, and the Spartans. Those are the types of things. So just trying to give them as many hooks to hang their successes on or to hang the memories on and then yeah. not demanding them that they regurgitate it on call, but hey, what do you think of when? And then you hold you hold this up, or you, you see that picture. What do you think? Of, oh yeah, that. And then they realize after after they talk about it a little bit, you're like, see, I, I knew you remembered a bunch of that stuff. You're like, well, I don't really remember all that stuff. I just remember what we did. And I said, exactly. Right. There you go. You you remember it. And I do this uh, same thing with my family. You take the your, those pictures uh, that you have, and my daughter. Uh, and my son think that they have way more memory, many memories than they actually do, even when they're remembering stuff when they were two years old, remembering stuff when they're three years old. And I'm sure they got some memories, but what it really came from was from videos and pictures. Yeah. And so as a parent, uh, we're great. I mean, my wife, her phone is loaded with uh, the, the, the photos and I'm having to delete it because her phone stops working because all the memory storage is full. But it's also a great tool so that at any point in time, you can capture those memories, bring it back to them. But really what we have to do, and we've kind of got out of that practice is sometimes you just got to print them out and put them up yeah. so that uh, they can, I'm telling you, all the bulletin boards that I've done over the years, uh, I can put hours into it and make it very educational, or I can upload photos, print them off, stick them up on the board, takes me a third of the time and the students then spend hours looking at it over the course of the next couple of weeks as sure. opposed to the education content because they're seeing themselves, they're seeing the memories that they made with their friends, 
And all of that then comes back to, well, what was the purpose behind that? What was the content behind that? What was the relationships that we built through that? Yeah. And so it's just, it comes back to the fact that I love the content, but content's not king. Christ is king. What did Christ do? Christ mastered the content. That gave him the authority. Then he proved it with his life. And so what do I do as an educator? What do I do as a father? I gotta, I've got to know what my children need. I've got to know the goals that I have for them. And then I've got to put them in environments that challenge them and then also give them opportunities to take risks, to fail without destroying their confidence, uh, and then prove it to them that they have been successful with the photos, with the videos, with the memories, with the discussion, just with the time. And then just lots of prayer that, Lord, yeah. take this, somebody who's a flawed father, take that to direct them to the, the heavenly father, who's the perfect father, and he's not going to make mistakes with them. Thank you. Thank you for spending time with us. Really, really appreciate it. It's 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 it is a huge responsibility to be a teacher. Uh, it's a bigger responsibility to be a parent, and that's why I'm glad here at Harvest we have families that are willing to trust us with the education of their child. But we care so much more than just the report card. The report card is it is important, and we want to set them up for success with their future. We want them to get into great colleges. We yep. want them to have a good future. Um, but and. It, uh, we, we just care so much more about them as individuals. And so very grateful that all these families at, that, that send their children to Harvest Christian Academy, you trust us with them. And I promise you, we are doing what we can to pour our life into them to help them succeed in the future. Thanks again.